Focus on Life. Hello, it's another Sunday evening in lockdown still, and you're listening to Premier Christian Radio. I'm Jeff Lucas, recently released from quarantine because of travel. Thanks so much for joining me. I spend a lot of my time in airports. Actually, scratch that. I used to spend a lot of my time in airports before I was sent home and confined to barracks by the corona restrictions. While I like travelling, I've got to say, I'm not that crazy about airports, which is a shame because I used to find them exciting. Think about it. Airports are filled with people who don't actually want to be at the airport unless they're 10 years old or they're off on a stag party so they're parked in an airport restaurant drinking lager with breakfast, which should be illegal. People are usually only in airports because they want to be somewhere else. But being in airports gives me a chance to engage in my hobby, which is people watching. Now, fear not, Premier listeners, because I'm not a weirdo, creepy voyeur. I just find people fascinating. And in my travels, I've met quite a few fascinating human beings. And so tonight, I'd like to introduce you to a couple of them. One of them gifted in kindness, the other bizarrely cruel. Close encounters of an airport kind, here on Lucas on Life on Premier Christian Radio. Airport Encounters as I said, airport are not my favourite places, which is unfortunate because, well, millions of miles have been flown. I don't mind flying so much, even though some in-flight food is surely created by demonised chefs and one is occasionally required to play the culinary game. Name that food, mainly because it's difficult to determine whether it's beef or chicken. Again, unlike the excited newbie traveller, the thrilled 10-year-old, or even that pencil-toting soul who goes plane-spotting, apologies to any pencil-toting, plane-spotting souls who are listening to this, I'm no longer joyous when I step into a terminal. On the contrary, airports are usually emotional black holes. Admittedly, there are a few happy folk to be seen, but mostly people just want to get out of there, get on the plane and arrive. Then there's all that security screening, where you try to look relaxed while your hand luggage is being scanned because there's the remote possibility that a tactical nuclear warhead has been secreted alongside your laptop. One of my most least favourite moments comes when I have to remove my belt. I have a deep-seated fear that one day my jeans will fall down to my ankles and I will be hapless in a crowded security area, embarrassed beyond belief in my Mickey Mouse-adorned boxer shorts. I could go on. There's all that rushing through the airport because, sadly, some airport officials tell fibs. Actually, they lie. The departure board flashes up the news that your flight is now boarding, or even worse, is in the final, last and final call process. The gate is a 20-minute walk away, and so breathless and perhaps even muttering words, not normally in the vocabulary of good Christian people, you arrive at the gate only to discover that the boarding process has not even started yet. You repent of muttering those unchristian words, but then you feel something close to hatred for the person who issued the false boarding announcement, and then you repent of feeling hatred. Sorry, there's more. Because if you're flying on a budget airline, you'll be required to line up according to the seat number on your boarding pass. So... If you're in seat B23, may the Lord have mercy upon you if by accident you get in front of the person who is in seat B22. All in all, I'm usually glad when the time comes to exit the airport because I prefer arriving 
to travelling. There was one particular occasion, however, when the sun came out in Denver Airport Terminal A, and all because of a lady that Kay and I had spotted. As I mentioned, one of our hobbies is people watching and people listening. Sometimes we take this a little too far and refrain from conversation with each other so that we can tune into the conversations of others nearby. Kay especially loves this. With a birthday coming up, I'm planning on buying her surveillance equipment as a gift. As for the aforementioned lady, we first saw her on the swaying transit train that propelled us towards our gate area. Standing next to a nervous-looking family, she greeted them all smiles and wished them a happy flight. Just one warm comment from her seemed to calm their frayed nerves a little. Later, when we boarded an escalator, she stood behind us and smiled and joked with a rather sullen-looking passenger too, brightening up the 20-second ascent. And then, to our surprise, she lined up for the same flight as us, bearing in mind that Denver Airport normally has over 1,600 flights a day. As she boarded, she profusely thanked the gate agent who seemed surprised and thrilled at the appreciation. We took off. I popped a peanut in my mouth, unhelpfully adding to the dehydrating conditions of flying, and pondered her kindness. It was then that I felt a nudge, perhaps from God, to encourage her if I could find her once we'd landed. My mind immediately recoiled at the notion. The lady might not welcome an approach from a random chap. My well-meaning intentions could end up as an example in a stranger danger public safety advice video. After we'd landed and disembarked the plane, she was nowhere to be found. Frankly, I felt relieved, off the hook from what I thought might be a mission from God. Down in the busy baggage claim area, I dutifully scanned the crowd, but in vain. And then I noticed that she was standing right next to me talking on the phone. Suddenly, her carry-on bag fell over at my feet. This could be my moment, but she was still talking as I put the bag upright. She thanked me mid-call, grabbed her bags, headed away and then stopped to look at her phone. Our luggage arrived and we headed to walk past her and that's when her bag fell over once again right at my feet and so I plunged in nervously. Excuse me, this might sound a little strange, I said, but I'm a pastor. I felt that this might make me sound a little safer, which may or may not be the case. My wife and I both noticed your repeated kindness back in Denver. It's so refreshing to see someone act like you do. I prayed that I would have the chance to meet you and thank you. And so, thank you. Her mouth fell open. She smiled broadly and then burst into tears. Happy tears. After the briefest of chats, she hurried off to repair her ruined mascara. And I was left wondering, had God performed some nifty choreography to enable that moment? I'm wary of Christians who see God steering every detail of life. I no longer pray for parking spaces, unless I desperately need one, feeling that the Lord of the universe has other things to deal with. But my faith in coincidences is limited. We often say that the devil is in the detail, but perhaps, just perhaps, God is in the detail too. Did God set up that airport encounter? Possibly, probably even. This much is absolutely certain. Kindness, so wonderfully demonstrated by that smiling, gracious lady, can light up gloomier spaces. Kindness is an oft-overlooked characteristic of our God, who graced his old covenant people with loving kindness. Paul, writing a letter to his friends in Ephesus, celebrated the God who has showered his kindness on us. You can read about it in Ephesians 1 verse 18. 
showered his kindness on us in Christ Jesus. You see, when we're kind, we're just a little more like God. Kindness often costs nothing except time and thought, but surely turns heads and hearts here on earth, and surely heaven watches and celebrates acts of kindness too. Once on my travels, which included an airport, I almost got into a fight. And I'm not talking about a war of words. I met a thoroughly unpleasant chap, and it almost came to blows. I know. It's a bit odd for a Christian minister to confess that he came close to a punch-up. As soon as it happened, I knew I had to share the experience. But before you hear about it, let me issue a health warning, because I'm about to introduce you to a real-life nasty piece of work. Kay and I were at Chicago Airport waiting for our flight. The departure lounge was packed, the atmosphere dank, with the mild despair that descends when multiple flights are delayed due to the weather. Everyone hopefully and occasionally hopelessly stared at the departure boards. Peckish, we entered a teeming restaurant and found the last two chairs at a shared table. Across from us, a very expensive-looking bag, all fur and leather, occupied a seat. We assumed that it belonged to a man who sat next to it, but we were wrong. An older lady came by and inquired about the bag. Is this yours, she asked us ever so sweetly. Nobody around the table claimed ownership. It was then that the winner of Rudest Man in My Lifetime Award made himself known. He was young, handsome, dressed in designer clothing with flashy jewellery. Sitting up at a bar just across from the table, he barked, That's my bag. I don't want it on the floor, so leave it alone. When I finish my meal, I'll move it. Mouths open wide around the table, aghast at the suggestion that this elderly lady be made to stand while this posh but inanimate object occupied the only available chair. This was absurd, it was rude, it was crass. I decided to take action and, perhaps a little louder than necessary, invited the lady to take my chair. She sat down, then smiled and whispered to me, perhaps you could teach him a lesson. Emboldened by her encouragement, I walked over and gently tapped Mr. Rude on the shoulder. Excuse me, sir, but if I understood, you want this lovely lady to stand and wait while you eat because your bag is that important. I confessed to feeling just a little bit heroic in that moment. He glared back at me, his deep blue eyes cold. Then he snapped back, his thin lips tight. Now look here, it seems that you're the gentleman and you gave her your seat. So it's good. Yes, that's when I knew that we were at a point of no return. His icy stare made his message clear. If you just say one more word, I'm going to hit you. That was the message from his face. I decided to not say one more word for a number of reasons. Firstly, I'm allergic to pain. Secondly, it's awkward when ministers get into an airport fight and then get arrested. And thirdly, I felt like my job had been done. Call me a coward. You might well be right. Back at the table, we chatted happily with the older lady. Eventually, the young, bag-obsessed, blue-eyed chap stopped by to pick up his priceless luggage, and with a rude parting shot, he headed out to catch his flight. I spent the rest of the day internally fuming about his staggering gift of arrogance. Our flight was delayed further, so I wandered around the airport, hoping to see him, to pursue our chat a little. Providentially... I didn't find him. Obviously, the rude man's attitude was somewhat extreme, but I wonder how often I am just like him. 
In that moment, he failed to see a person, that lady who needed a chair. And we can do the same thing, especially if we deal with people a lot. The busy doctor in the casualty ward is told that there's a broken arm in cubicle six, rather than recently widowed Mr Jones, who's had a nasty fall. The shop assistant yawns, indifferent to the customer, who has just become another commodity. You all right there, they say, not really concerned if we're actually all right. Or the pastor looks out over the congregation, seeing a crowd, recording Sunday morning attendance numbers and offering figures, but not noticing real flesh-and-blood people with hopes, dreams, needs and heartaches. The hunched figure, wrapped in a thin sleeping bag in a doorway, becomes a homeless statistic rather than a person with a name and a story. The great Jewish theologian Martin Buber spoke about dangerous temptation to treat people as objects rather than subjects. All around us today are people, unique, needy, hopeful, hopeless, fascinating people. My airport encounter that day taught me this lesson. When it comes to people, let's notice them. Airport encounters, one with a lady just brimming with kindness, the other with a chap self-obsessed, bag-obsessed, didn't notice the needs of a lovely elderly lady. I know who I would like to be like. Some years ago, I travelled the country with a man called Graham Seed. Graham had a criminal background, used to be a debt collector, if you know what I mean, perhaps hurting people if they hadn't paid their dues. And then he found Jesus, and Jesus found him, and oh my, what a transformation. Eating together in a restaurant one day when we were on a book tour, the server came up to us at the end of our meal and asked us what we were about to do. I told her that we had an event going on in the city and she said, is the event about God? I wondered how on earth she knew that we were Christians. And so I said, how do you know that we're Christians? She said, it's very simple. You were kind to me. Kindness it turns heads. It can change hearts. Today, let's be kind. Let's notice people. Lucas on Life.